All right, we're going to get started tonight. I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Glad you are here. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for the food that we've had. We're thankful for our church fellowship. We're thankful for uh, the classes that are meeting right now. We're thankful for the opportunity to come together to study and to hear your word. I pray, Lord, for the, for the classes that are meeting tonight, for the kids' classes as they're hearing the truth, as they're building a foundation of the truth, Lord, that it's no small thing. I, I pray for, for open ears and open minds and open hearts, and I pray for, for that foundation to be built upon tonight. I pray for our youth tonight. Uh, same thing, so many things that would distract them, lead them astray. I pray that tonight the truth goes out, the truth uh, is stacked, the truth is built upon, and again, it bears an impact tonight. And then I pray for the adult classes tonight, all the adult classes that are meeting. I pray uh, for our class tonight. I pray that you would lead, that you would speak, that you would direct, that you would grow us. And I pray on this night, a Wednesday night as we leave here, uh, that we would draw closer, we'll have drawn closer to you and that we would have grown in your knowledge. Help us in that. Again, we're thankful for so many good things. Thankful for so many blessings. And we praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're moving along in our study of the grand scheme of things. We're in lesson 79 tonight. Uh, we are moving all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. If you're just joining in, uh, every lesson will stand alone. So you're not, you're not going to be out of place by just joining in tonight. Uh, our, our lesson tonight we're in this section of the Gospels. There's going to be about 15, 20 lessons that come out of the four Gospel accounts. We're in that section looking at the life and the times, uh, the teachings uh, of Jesus. And so that's where we're at in this section. Uh, tonight we're in a lesson entitled, Ears to See, Teaching in Parables. Ears to See, Teaching in Parables. Tonight we have... Uh, some focal verses that we'll anchor ourselves to. I'm going to go ahead and read those, and then we're going to move through our lesson. So our key verses tonight, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and then I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then 10 through 13. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning in um, verse 1 through 3. It says this, That day Jesus went out of the house, and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And so see the picture, there's a crowd that is gathered, it's a, it's a large crowd, and they're standing on the beach. Verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. And he spoke many things to them in parables. And then jumping down to verse 10 of the same chapter, it says this, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Again, those are the verses that we're going to move through that we're going to look at tonight. Now, the key point, if you have our worksheet, our key point tonight is this. Jesus's use of the parable as a teaching technique is an important part, an important part of his ministry. Uh, his complicated reason for using these parables uh, requires our study and our understanding. Now, let me just say this. It is uh, complicated, the reason that he teaches in parables. And so we're going to try to see 
The reason that he teaches in parables uh, unfold tonight, and, and we're going to try to leave tonight with a better understanding of that. And so Jesus uses this technique. It is a complicated reason uh, that causes him to use it, and we're going to try to understand that tonight uh, moving out of this lesson. So the first place we're going to start tonight is Jesus the great teacher. Jesus, the great teacher. Now, understand this. Jesus' ministry really was a, was a multifaceted ministry. Uh, you, you can't say, well, it's just this one thing that was going on or just this single part of his ministry. It's actually a very multifaceted ministry. Uh, now, think about some parts uh, of his public ministry. The first thing is this. He came to proclaim that he was the Messiah. And that is clear. He comes to tell people he is the Christ. He is the Savior. All of the fulfillment of the Jewish scripture is answered in him. And that's who he is. And so uh, there's a part of his ministry uh, that is his proclamation ministry. He is telling people uh, that he is the Messiah, that he is identifying himself as the Christ. That proclamation ministry really uh, never exits his ministry. All the way through his ministry, He's making it known. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And so there's that part of his ministry. Uh, there's also another part of his ministry uh, where he has a ministry of healing and signs and wonders, uh, which he does. Now, we've talked about this on several occasions. He heals people. He does many signs and wonders. He walks on water, other things as well. And all of those things serve to validate his proclamation ministry. And so uh, he does heal people. He does supernatural things, awesome things, but he does those with the main purpose to validate his proclamation ministry. So he comes, he's saying, I'm the Christ. They're saying, how do we know you're the Christ? And he does these powerful acts to confirm who he is. And so he does have this ministry or a part of his ministry where he is healing people and doing signs and wonders. I think it's interesting to think about uh, those events, and it looks like most of the time, and I'll say generally, uh, when he does those events, of course it validates his message, but it also seems uh, to bless those or to benefit those who were considered down and out in the public culture. So you notice this, he doesn't go to, the, to the, the rulers of the day, he doesn't go to the rich people of the day and say, well, what do you need from me or what can I do for you? Uh, you notice there's, there's blind people and poor people and, and tax collectors who are excluded and, and, and women who've been written off and all sorts of folks that are really uh, what we would consider down and out in the culture um, his healing ministry, his ministry of signs and wonders blesses them. And so uh, they are blessed in his actions. Um, another part of Jesus's ministry was his teaching ministry. And I think uh, that's a big thing for us to think about. Um, he comes, he's proclaiming he's the Christ. He's going to use scripture to show that he uh, fulfills that scripture and he truly is the Christ. This is a different aspect. Now, this is his teaching uh, or his training of the disciples. Now, think about this. He gathers up uh, these 12. Uh, others are listening in and traveling with him as well. And then us today, we are included in this group, but he's also teaching them, training them uh, to, to live as his followers. Those that are going to be his disciples in that day 
and then us that come along and desire to be his followers in this day. Um, the success of the gospel being spread is going to depend on what disciples do. And so in that day, they had to be trained. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Uh, today, we have to be trained. What are we going to do? What is our ministry? What is our mission? How are we supposed to go about that? And people hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel depends upon disciples understanding what their mission is. So he has this teaching ministry. Here's what it is to live as a disciple. Here's what it is to walk and travel as a disciple. And so not only is he proclaiming he's the Messiah, not only is he healing folks to, to validate that, blessing them, he's also teaching uh, as he goes. Uh, as we follow his ministry, as you would expect, uh, he is an excellent teacher. And you think about some of the subjects, they're pretty deep, uh, they're pretty awesome, and you think, wow, that's, that's an awesome thing. And so, of course, uh, being, being fully God, he's an awesome teacher. Well, a big part of that, uh, really a big part of that, is Jesus' use of parables. And so if you have your worksheet, we're moving along. Jesus' use of parables. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 3 again. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables. This 13th chapter, there's going to be several parables that are recorded. So he speaks to them in parables. All right. As he teaches his disciples, uh, he employed or he used a very effective tool, and that is the use of a parable. In fact, if you think about it, many of the things he taught came in the form of a parable. And I think for sure, some of the most memorable things that he taught uh, came in the form of a parable. Let me give you some examples. The parable of the lamps. A, a lamp shouldn't be hidden under a bushel basket. It should be for all people to see. The speck and the log. The speck that you have in your eye, the log that you have in your eye, uh, the speck in your brothers. The divided kingdom. The sower and the soils. The prodigal son. Uh, the wheat and the tares. The mustard seed. The hidden treasure, the pearl of great cost, the lost sheep, uh, the laborers in the vineyard. You could go on and on and on. Those are just some and, and maybe just a third of the parables that Jesus uses. When we hear those, we go, yeah, I recognize that story. I, I remember that story. And so those are just some of the times that Jesus uses a parable. And so as he is teaching... This is a common thing that he does, a common thing that he uses, the use of the parable. A parable, the definition is, a parable is defined as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Listen to that again. The definition is this. A parable is defined as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. A parable, it should be relatable uh, it should make the topic easier to understand and apply. Many, uh, then and today as well, many effective parables use everyday examples from common events of life. Today, somebody will sometimes try to explain something, 
and they'll use a common event in life to make uh, the, the understanding clear to people. It's the same way then. It should have been relatable. It's to make the, the topic easily understood and it would use events from the common things of life. Uh, Jesus' parables, if you go look at them, uh, they range from very short. I found one that's one verse. found another one that's two verses. So his parables can be very, very short in length to some that are longer in, in length. Some of them 13, 14 verses long. And so his parables could be very short, a very quick parable, making a point, or they could be a very long parable, uh, many verses. All right, the next section, here, here's where it kind of starts to be uh, a, a big thing to think about for us. First part of it says this, well, that makes sense. Well, that makes sense. That's on our worksheet. In a chapter that reveals several instances of Jesus teaching in parables, that's this 13th chapter. So in this chapter where several parables are taught, Jesus' disciples actually ask him why he's using parables. Now, 13 verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables. Now, here's what the disciples are wondering. He uh, gathers up the crowd. He's teaching in parables. The disciples come up and they wonder, why not just speak in plain language? Why not just tell them, hey, this is what I want. Hey, this is what the expectation is. And I'm just going to lay it out and use plain language. And, and so he's, he's, the, the disciples come and they say, why not just say it the way it is? Why are you telling these, these weird stories uh, using these parables? To that, Jesus responds, to you it has been give, granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now that's uh, chapter 13, verse 11. So they say, why are you speaking in parables? He says, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is using parables so that they may know and understand what he is teaching them. Now listen, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Why are you using parables? So you'll know what I'm saying. So you'll, you'll get it. So you'll understand. These parables uh, make his teachings understandable. Now, we're going to look at some of them in the next coming weeks. Some of them are pretty com complex. Uh, dealing with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this or the kingdom of heaven. And so this is a hard thing to wrap my head around. This is a hard thing to understand. Well, this parable is going to make it easier to understand. Now, there's other times that what he's teaching is pretty plain, uh, pretty easy, but this makes it even easier to understand or maybe even easier to apply. So the first thing is this. Why are you teaching in parables? He says, I'm teaching in parables so you'll know what I'm saying, so you'll understand what I'm saying. Jesus taught in parables so his disciples would know and understand what it was he was saying. Parables add to that effort. Now that's not hard to understand. If I were to say, why do you think Jesus taught in parables? You'd say, so people can make sense of this, so they would understand this. That makes a lot of sense. All right, hold on and maybe buckle your seatbelts. The next part is, well, that, not so much. That, not so much. Now this is where it becomes kind of strange. When asked why he teaches in parables, Jesus tells his disciples it is so they can understand. However, right behind that, Jesus reveals a second reason that he teaches in parables, 
And that second reason is pretty unexpected. In fact, this is where we go, well, I don't know what in the world this is talking about. Jesus tells them, he also teaches in parables, so those who are not his disciples will not understand. Now, that's kind of crazy. He says, I teach in parables, so you'll understand. But I teach in parables, so they won't understand. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a biblical truth, and it kind of takes us a minute to get our head around that. And you, and you kind of say, well, let me get that straight. Jesus teaches in parables so some people won't understand. Well, doesn't that sound weird? Doesn't that sound crazy? Doesn't that sound opposite of what he would do? Jesus teaches in parables so some people will not understand. Here's a good question. We're going to talk about it in a second. Does God want some people to not understand what he's saying? Does God want some people to not understand what he is saying? All right, let me go back and read Matthew 13, 11 through 13. Jesus answered them. Why are you teaching in parables? Jesus answered them. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I teach in parables so you'll get it. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. All right, now, now I'm going to go slow. I'm going to try to make this understandable. This is kind of maybe a train wreck here for a second. He teaches in parables so you'll understand and others won't. Now that sounds kind of fishy, kind of weird. So let me go slow. Let me try to explain this. The truth is this, at this point, many of the teachings, some of the teachings of Jesus were just for his disciples. Uh, they were for the people who had committed to him in faith. Uh, a lot of these are going to be dealing with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so uh, these messages, these, these truths are only for those who had belonged to the kingdom of heaven, to the, to the kingdom of God. And so... He's not talking to everybody all the time. And so when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking to those who are uh, members of the kingdom of heaven. And so these were especially for them. Uh, especially as the events of the cross are unfolding, uh, many of the truths he talks about are just for those who have committed to him in faith. And so see this. As he is speaking, at the exact same time, and in God's plan, two things are happening at the same time. One is his disciples are understanding. The second is those who are not his disciples are not understanding. Both of those things are happening at the same time, and both of those things uh, are, are his plan. As he's speaking, his disciples are getting a better understanding of what he's saying, and at the same time, at the same event, now, those who are not Jesus' disciple are not able to comprehend what is being said. Very simply, uh, they are not the intended audience for this particular message. Let me read that to you again. His followers are gaining a better understanding of what Jesus is teaching. And second, at the same time, in the same event, those who are not Jesus' disciple are not able to comprehend the truth being explained. 
And so he speaks in parables. Some are understanding. Those that are not his people are not understanding. That's weird. And that's hard to understand. And it's misinterpreted many times. I want to go ahead and finish up where we understand. What are we to make of that? What are we to think about that? Does this mean that there are some people that God does not want to understand his truth? Doesn't it seem that way? Are there some people God does not want to hear and understand the gospel message? Listen very carefully. Are there some people that God does not want to hear and understand the gospel message? They're not his people, so he's not speaking in a language they can understand, so they do not understand. Are there some people... God does not want to hear his message and to respond in faith. Many people are teaching that right now. Uh, that is a growing thing right now. And one of the ways they explain it is say, well, what about the parable? He says it's not for everybody to understand. So there must be some folks he doesn't want to hear. There must be some folks he doesn't want to understand. What about the parable? And they throw this up. Um, what about the parable? There must be some folks he doesn't want to hear and understand. Well, how do we explain this? How do we understand it? Well, that, I think, is the main point of this lesson. First thing is this, and, and listen very carefully. Be very sure. Be very confident. God clearly wants all people to be saved. Understand that. There's no set of folks he doesn't want to be saved. He didn't say, I like these folks, but not those folks. I got a better deal for these folks, but I'm going to exclude these other people. God clearly wants all people to be saved. Uh, right now, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, you can go read it. God is patient, kind, desiring that none should perish, but all would come to the knowledge of his gospel and come to understanding, come to him in repentance. And so listen, we can understand this. God wants all people to be saved. He tells us he wants all people to be saved. Um, he demonstrates it repetitively. Why does he send preachers? Why does he send Paul? Why does he say, go out into the hedgerows and beat the bushes and, and compel them to come in? Uh, why is it such an urgent message? Why does he give the great commission? Uh, go ye therefore. Why does he do those things? It's because he wants all people to hear and understand and respond in faith. It is the heart of the church's mission Jesus desires all people to turn to him in faith. I, I can't say it enough, and I can't say it loudly enough. Any belief set that says that Jesus doesn't want all people to be saved is nonsense and doesn't follow the New Testament teaching, doesn't follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing is this. What about these parables? It looks like he wants some to hear and some not to hear. First thing is this. It is clear in Scripture God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. All right. We're going to go further, though. However, Jesus did sometimes, did sometimes speak exclusively to his people. Um, these are the people who had trusted God in faith. Uh, in the New Testament, these are folks that had trusted Christ, and God did speak to them. Today, he speaks to the church sometimes, not to other folks. He did speak exclusively to his people. For those folks that had rejected him, that would not receive him, that were stubborn, that were hard-hearted, uh, God excludes them from some of his communication. And so it's as simple as this. He's speaking here to his people. He's not speaking to them. He's speaking to those 
who have trusted him, who are not hard-hearted. And so some of his communication excludes those who have not trusted him, even going as far as hiding his plans from them. Uh, they are not his people, and so he, he, he's not talking to them in this instance, even going as far as hiding some of the, his plans from them. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this all the way out. Does that mean he doesn't love them? No. Um, does it mean he doesn't seek their salvation? No. He's already said he does seek their salvation. However, in their rebellious state, he, char he chose or he chose in this instant not to speak to them in that particular matter. Now, I want you to think. It's about to get pretty heavy here for just a second. We'll try to come back and make it lighter in a second. But I want you to think about this. Many times, the fact that he is not speaking to them is actually part of his plan to move his plan of salvation forward. And I'm going to explain this where it makes sense. Many times, and I'll just say most of the time, the fact that he wasn't speaking to them at that time is actually moving his plan forward for salvation. Here, here's the best example I can think about. Think about the cross. I want you to think about the cross. Jesus comes and he has a proclamation ministry. He's saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. He's announcing it. He's making it known. It's, it's loud. It's public. But you know what? The Pharisees wouldn't believe him. The Jewish leaders wouldn't believe him. They're in town. They're hearing all this stuff. They wouldn't believe him. They chose not to believe him. And so guess what? They don't want to hear. They've hardened their hearts. And so for this situation, he speaks in parables. And they said, I don't know what he's talking about. I can't understand what he's talking about. So what do they do? They take him. They crucify him. They nail him to the cross. They kill him. He's resurrected. The act that he hid from them or actually doesn't make it known to them, they actually go and carry out the thing that would re result in their salvation. Now think about that. What if he'd have come down like a lightning bolt and said, hey, Pharisees, I want you to know and I'm going to tell you all the secrets and, I, and you've hardened your heart, but I'm going to make it where you don't have a choice. They wouldn't have killed him. Guess what we would have? Uh, a, a lamb that was not slain for the sin of sinners. And so he doesn't speak to them in this situation. Uh, because of that, they go carry out a plan that actually enables them to be saved. God uses that event that they might be saved. Now think about that. They wouldn't listen. So God speaks to them in a language they can't understand. It says a parable. They can't make sense of it. They go out and they carry out the, the work of the crucifixion. And by doing that, there is an event that now offers salvation to them. Uh, in the book of Acts, it says this, and many of the Jews and even the priests were coming to Christ. Isn't that, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? He, he, they couldn't understand. They carried out the crucifixion and the act that they carried out actually enables them to come to Christ and be saved. And many of the Jews and even the priests were coming to Christ. God's ways are complex. That's deep. I mean, I think sometimes we want it too easy. That's hard to understand. Uh, but God's plan was always for the best result. There's a verse that says, uh, Jacob he loved and Esau he hated. It's in the Old Testament. Folks will come back and say, well, see, that shows you right there. There's some folks he doesn't love. This event 
provide salvation for the descendants of Esau. And there's descendants of Jacob that reject Christ and aren't going to be saved. And there's folks that are descendants of Esau and they're going to be saved. God speaks to his people in some instances. It's a message for them. Some of these folks can't understand it, but it's not about their salvation. He wasn't shutting them off uh, to, to salvation. Instead, he was providing a way for all people to be saved. That's kind of hard to understand. That's deep, but isn't that just like our God? He makes a way for people to be saved. He loves all people. And through the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, we have a way to be saved. And then that moves us to today. And I, I, I want to say this very clearly. That was in this day. And so when he speaks to him in parables, um, that was for them, uh, that they would carry out the things that would bring about their salvation. That's not talking about our day. Uh, when we see a parable now, we have the explanation now in the word of God. And so I want to end by saying this. In our day, God wants all people to know. And God wants all people to hear. And he wants all people to understand. And he's not shrouding a mystery today. He's not trying to make us figure it out. When I read the parable, I got the explanation of the parable right here in scripture. And so we can be sure God today wants all people to know. He wants all people to hear and he wants them to understand. That's why we have the New Testament today, that you would hear, that you would know, that you would understand. That's why we have gifted preachers and gifted teachers today, that you would hear, that you would know, that you would understand. The parable served a purpose. The parable had a, had a mission and it served its purpose. We have salvation for all people, but we're living in a day when God wants all people to know and to hear and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. John chapter 20, verse 31. Uh, I preached through the book of John and, and, and we get to this part and I, I go, well, there it is. It makes it plain. Listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these have been written. He's talking about the things in the gospel of John. These events have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Bible, it's preaching, it's teaching, it's receiving, it's understanding, is all for the purpose that you would hear, that you would understand, that you'd believe, and in doing that, that you'd be saved. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Pretty short lesson, pretty hard lesson, uh, but a very important lesson. Uh, there were times when God uh, made it where they couldn't understand. Now, they had hardened their hearts. They weren't his people. He had a message for his people. But even in that, he was moving forward a plan that would result in the ability for those folks to be saved. He is good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's fair. He's just, and he makes sense. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to leave some word of prayer. I, I think about that lesson while we're getting ready to pray. I think about that and I think, that's important. I, I never heard that as a kid. And then I think, how would you like to teach that lesson to, to eight-year-olds tonight? Now, that's a hard thing. But you know what? Those kids need to walk out and say, you know what? God loves me and he wants me to be saved. And the plan was always the plan and that is the plan. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Dear Father, we come, we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful uh, that you had a plan to, to save us. We're thankful that you are faithful uh, when we're not faithful. We're thankful that Christ came, uh, carried our sin, died our death, uh, that he lives again, and by faith in him we can be saved. I pray that tonight, in just these few verses, and just thinking about this tonight, that we have a better understanding of what you have done and what you've provided and how gracious you are, and that we can trust and not flinch, being confident that you desire for all people to be saved, and you've made a way uh, in, 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 the, in the preaching, the proclamation of your word. Lord, I pray for these that have gathered tonight. Bless them, encourage them. Pray for all the classes tonight. Pray for those listening uh, in some other means tonight. I pray the same thing, that they, that they are blessed, that they grow tonight in your truth as well. Pray as we wrap up this week, head into this week, uh, that we do so with a hope that the world doesn't have. We do so with a joy that's visible to a, to a hurting and lost world. And I pray that we hold high above all people uh, the banner of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.